Marini's Media. Hello and a warm welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. We're back and finally women's football is back too. Woohoo! Well, it's the big WSL preview show today with us here on the Offside Rule. Uh, who's looking like the embodiment of the fire emoji and who's already burnt out? I don't think many will be burnt out. There's not been much action, <laughs> has there? Uh, Rose Lavelle joins the show to talk about her big move to Man City. And there's been two big finals already to talk about too. Plus, oh my goodness, so much more. I'm Kate Borsay. And I'm Lindsay Hooper. And this week we are joined very excitingly by The Telegraph's women's football writer, Katie Wyatt. Hello, Katie. Hi, you OK? Very well, thank you. Katie, there's so much to talk about, isn't there, in today's preview podcast. But one of one of the big transfers is a, a signing concerning you. Congratulations <laughs> on your you. move. Thank you. Yeah, really excited to be joining The Athletic in October, end of October. So, yeah, that should probably be exciting. But they're going to ring you dry at the Telegraph first, so you're going to be writing for them right up until that deadline. Um, We know that you're right across women's football, and we're going to to make sure that we get every last ounce out of you on this preview podcast, Katie, so sit tight. Okay. You're listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Dean's Media and The Athletic. Well, judging by the signings and the buzz around the teams, this season in the WSL looks to be bigger and better than ever before. And rightly so. I think all of us were a bit nervous about how curtailing the season would go and how the league would deal with coming back. But fair play to the FA and the teams involved. They've used it as a great excuse to set out their marker and make some really key international signings as well from clubs abroad. And one thing to mention, ladies, before we get stuck into teams, Teams on an individual basis is that we've still got this issue in the WSL where the majority of Lionesses are playing for Arsenal, Chelsea or Manchester City. Just four squad players in Phil Neville's squad feature for other teams in the WSL. So I suppose for smaller teams, recruiting from abroad gives them a great chance to bridge that gap. Yeah, you're spot on. I mean, it's only Everton, Manchester United have a couple of players, West Ham have a player. But yeah, you're right. The rest all are all divided between Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester City. Of course, we are going to touch on the other big news from across the summer, um, including Weigman coming in to replace Phil Neville at the end of that contract for him. That was big news, wasn't it, over the summer period? We've had a couple of big matches as well. The Champions League final, Lucy Bronze uh, getting a third Champions League winner's medal. She went over to Lyon to try and achieve achieve that feat and did so. Um, but there were other, of course, Lionesses out there playing for Leon as well. We'll talk about th- that achievement. Uh, the Community Shield, which was a big match, we'll get on to that. Um, but you're, you're right to pick up on this influx of players, Kate, and the US loan signings in particular. Now, is this a product of the coronavirus, the fact that the NWSL has been hit the hardest, really, of all the leagues around the world? The US, with the pandemic, has, has really suffered. And as a result of that, we have seen players like Rose Lavelle and Sam Mewis coming to Manchester City. And this league in this country is really going to benefit from the calibre of those players. We've seen with Arsenal as well, getting a lot of uh, players from Australia coming in. Um, and and likewise, across, we've had Korean players going to Bristol City, for instance. And, and I just wonder, Katie, bringing you in, whether this is great for the league, whether this shows that the UK is up there in terms of fighting with the likes of the NWSL to be seen as one of the best leagues in the world, 
or whether it's a little bit flash in the pan because they are loan signings. And if it's a loan, that means that it's going to end at some point. And are are we going to get used to seeing all these superstars and then get back to not having them? The come down. (laughs) I I wouldn't say it's a flash in the pan as such. I think my bigger concern is the fact that we're seeing such a disparity in recruitment between the top three clubs and then the people outside of that. So I would say that you've probably got a top three, then a middle three and then teams below that. And I think you're seeing such a gulf in the likes of the Chelsea's, the Arsenal's, the Manchester City's who are bringing in the huge names and the massive superstars and who have, in Chelsea's case, if we're being honest, probably two or three starting 11s that could beat the vast majority of women's Super League sides. And then you're having... Um, clubs where they are recruiting very wisely and I think we've seen quite a strong transfer window across the board but you can't help but feel that that talent is being stockpiled at those big three clubs in particular so I would say that's the bigger concern for me but I think it's a little bit if we talk about coronavirus or the strength of the league in general and which is the bigger pull I think bit of column A bit of column B and I think that we have spoken for a while a long time since the WSL turned to the first professional league in Europe and getting Barclays on board as as the title sponsor was a really, really pivotal moment. And it has been for a while probably one of the strongest leagues. And especially although we have got a top three, it's probably better in terms of competitive balance than the French league, for instance. Um, so I think it's a real attraction for a lot of players in that sense and a real attraction with regards to the Champions League and competing in that competition in Europe. And it works both ways, really, because it's time that these English clubs now um, who have been competing for as long as they have in Europe to show that they can make the last stages and can make a final and can win it and I think that that's where these players from the US in particular maybe will give English clubs the edge. They'll be really useful won't they and there are three Champions League places open for the first time Mm. in the WSL too that's going to be a big marker. Any other format changes we need to know about Katie? Um, Not in terms of the WSL I think the bigger one is the FA Cup and the fact that there are going to be two FA Cups this year. Um, (laughs) which would be a little bit strange they're finishing last seasons and picking up from the quarterfinal which was the games that should have been played the weekend that the season was cancelled for the first time or postponed for the first time rather Um, so we will finish that one at Wembley and then the teams will enter the second FA Cup of the year and then they'll finish that one as well later on in the season so that's going to be a little bit strange I think we do, of course, over the course of the season, Katie, we, we really do focus on the Continental Cup and the FA Cup. But um, we speak about the WSL a lot. And I, I wondered going into this season, is it as simple as looking at the league and dividing it into three divisions? And by that, I mean the teams that have come in, and I, I probably put Aston Villa in there, certainly Birmingham City and Bristol City, um, in terms of just survival, wanting to try and stay in the league. You've got a middle section, your Everton's, your Reddings, Manchester United, certainly last season, that are trying to catch the leaders, those top teams, the the three that we've already spoken about, Manchester City, Arsenal and Chelsea, uh, trying to break into those. And and that's their main aim for the season. And then you've got these top three um, that want to be contenders to win the Champions League, to break the Wolfsburgs and the Leons up because they really have been dominant, haven't they, Leon, for, yeah. for many, many years. Uh, is that how you would divide the WSL up now? Is, that, is, is it as simple as that? Um, I, think, I think so, yeah. I think you're in the right kind of ballpark. I think that you do have that top three that are now looking to get to the last stage of the Champions League and to win it and to be the first English club since Arsenal in 2007 to win it. 
Um, so I think that that's definitely the case with those three and it will be particularly tight in the league, I think especially between Man City and Chelsea because Arsenal's squad maybe don't have the depth that they do. Um, in terms of who's going to win the league, the FA Cup, the Continental Cup, you do get the feeling that it's about those three kind of trying to win as many domestic trophies as possible. I think the involvement of Everton and Manchester United who have spoken very publicly that they want to be competing and winning Champions League at some point, I think that you're going to see that come to fruition four, five, six years down the line. And in the meantime, it's about building that project and getting to, I think for Man United in particular, they will want some silverware. They've come so close and semi-finals, quarter-finals on so many occasions and just maybe lacked a, that final edge or that final bit of quality to really beat one of the big teams, although we've seen them go toe-to-toe with them for long stretches. So I think for those two, especially Man United, it's about how they make that jump into that elite three and whether they can get some silverware um, at some point and then after that I wouldn't necessarily say it's about survival for the others I think the relegation battle last season was particularly tight Um, obviously Liverpool were the team that went down but I think it's about for those teams that were struggling um, in the bottom last season the Bristols the Birmingham's can they become safe WSL teams and and consistent and really push for survival this year and and push to be a mid-table side and I would say that that's what they're... It's hard to envisage what the relegation battles are going to look like. I don't think it will... as I imagine it will be as tight as last season, but I think that it will be better quality on display from those teams. Mm. All right, well, let's get on to some specific teams. We'll go one by one, starting out uh, with those who will be aiming for ultimate glory. <laughs> I think there's only one place to begin this chat and it has to be with current champions Chelsea Community Shield winners as well from the weekend watch that match Emma Hayes biggest challenge this season I think is going to be keeping everybody yeah. happy in that team because you saw it with uh, with Bethany England starting on the bench Sam Kerr being given the nod for that game but missing quite a lot of chances in that match I mean forwards do have games like that I'm sure she'll be given some reprieve and she'll get other chances of course uh, Wolfsburg forward Penel harder as well Kate, Katie this is your story actually yeah, that now you put in the Telegraph so, so that could be announced as we're recording this right now that she'll be coming to the club that'll be another forward in their ranks yeah it's pretty terrifying when you look at the depth of Chelsea squad and as you were saying about the game on Sunday Bethany England coming off the bench is you look at that that's the WSL's player of the year just coming off the bench for them as a substitution if you really feel for the teams that are going to play them <laughs> next season and think they'll be thinking oh 15 minutes to go we'll get a bit of rest by all oh, they're bringing Beth and England on um so it'll be really interesting I think to see with them um whether they can keep players happy is the point that you raised I think that that will be about Emma Hayes having a really clear vision for the club which she knows we know she does and her really selling that to them and saying you know we want you involved in the really building of this club into a European force and I think I can imagine her being very very good at that aspect of it Um, I think the most interesting thing for us is how are we going to see I mean how is she going to decide who's going to play every week because I think we saw in the WSL although Sam Kerr has been very slow when it's come to actually scoring we saw the beginnings of a really promising partnership between her and Bethany England yeah and and she certainly 
looked very promising in her build-up play um, throughout mm. last season, albeit she very rarely scored. And I think you saw on Saturday that she was pretty strong in terms of her ideas and the runs she yeah. was making. She certainly the found the space, didn't she, yeah. in the community shield. Um, and what I like about what Chelsea have done is, OK, they've got some big names there, but they haven't gone for a big deluge of signings. A bit like last season, Emma Hayes is sort of building this momentum. Um, and I suppose keeping everyone used to each other as well. They've also signed Melanie Lopolt. She's um, a former Bayern Munich midfielder. Uh, she made her first start, actually, in the Community Shield at the weekend. Um, great one helping Chelsea to build their attack. Second half combining well with Fran Kirby as well. So you've got these megastar names, but you've also got very experienced, solid, organised players who will help to provide that stability that Emma Hayes is going to need. And she's going to have to rely on it too, particularly with so many faces there. Let's talk about Fran Kirby because, of course, she's back. She's recovered from her sickness. How did you rate her in the Community Shield at the weekend, Katie? I thought she was excellent. It's obviously it's been a huge absence for her, as we've yeah. known. And even when I think she was playing with presumably an undiagnosed condition at this point in the autumn of last season she didn't sort of look the play that she was and maybe looked a little bit leggy and obviously now you can see oh, very clearly there's a medical reason why um, but I think you were just seeing very early on the shoulder drops, the dummies, these little moments of trickery and real intelligence and dynamism and you were looking at her very early on in that game and thinking oh this is the Fran Kirby of old who's back here now. Um, yeah. And so it, it will can... feel like a new signing, won't it, for, for Emma? She'll feel like she's got another player um, to choose from by by having what you're describing as like the old Frank Kirby back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us had forgotten how good she is because we'd just not seen her for so long and then you get absorbed in the hype of Sam Kerr and Beth in England and then for her to sort of come on and be this little pocket rocket and you're thinking... <laughs> You know, these, she's a great resource. Yeah, back to that point again of what do you do when you're playing Chelsea? Who do you prepare to meet, and how do you cope with the reality that you've you've <laughs> kept them at bay for an hour, and then they bring on Frank Kirby or Sam Kerr? It's very frightening, I think, for a lot of WSL managers. In terms of keeping players happy, I would suggest that Emma just points to Leon. I mean, you look at that Champions yeah. League final and that team wasn't even at full strength and they really did go at a canter, didn't they? Particularly in the first half, I thought. They hadn't gotten a key to Paris either. They were they were without some of their star players and they still really looked so good. And she'll be saying, look, it hasn't hampered them. And, yeah. I, and I honestly think when you when you look at all these combinations, particularly in attack let's say that Harder does come in and you've got Frank Kirby back at her best and you've got to also satisfy Bethany England and you've got to make sure that Sam Kerr's happy you have got all these cup competitions so you've got the FA Cup you've got the Continental Cup as well I'm sure that this rotation will happen and and I'm bringing in players that we've seen as well during this window Neve Charles Jesse Fleming to me it does sound like there's going to be maybe some a cup squad that that will be used and a real emphasis on on the Champions League. I, I don't think that Emma has really hidden the fact that the Champions League is the number one priority for her. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll see the strongest eleven f- when when it gets to those Champions League uh, those group games, and you'll see that with the the big matches I think as well in the WSL. But for the rest of the matches, I think you'll see a rotation of players and trying to work out who's linking up best. 
it's exciting times, I think, for Chelsea fans. They should I think not it is be too. worried. No, no. About um, having this wealth of talent. Yeah. Um, shall we wrap up Chelsea with a bit of a prediction? How do you see them doing this coming season? Are we going for top spot again or is it just too hard to call between them and City? I think because of that depth, I would put them as favourites ahead of City. I think the bigger issue for them and it's the same issue that City have is how they balance competing on all fronts especially in yeah. Europe but obviously with the squad that they have you're looking at them and thinking that it's okay because I mean the point that you made about Leon is exactly right and a very good comparison I think because the situation that we saw on uh, Sunday I'm losing track of the days of the week and not <laughs> we all are Sunday it's been was, months Katie <laughs> um, Eugenie Lissommer who obviously scored the opener and assisted their third one wasn't he was only starting because Paris was suspended and Ada Hegerberg was injured and she'd be their sort of third choice striker yet she comes on and oh to have such riches yeah oh she's she's amazing winner um so I think that that's sort of a sim I think that that's probably what they're aiming for that kind of Galacticos team where you've got seven eight layers of depth in each position I I think Chelsea will be the favourites I think the team that runs them closest isn't going to be City I'll come on to that later (gasps) well before you do let's go on to Manchester City in my view queens of the transfer window a huge signal of intent from the club Katie new manager Gareth Taylor called Gaz by the players I like that Um, we know that competition for places is going to be key you know similar to Chelsea Um, new signings well they've got a few haven't they not just in terms of English talent that's Chloe Kelly uh, coming in from Everton but also Sam Mewis and Rose Lavelle. What are your excited thoughts about how City will manage this season? A little bit similar to Chelsea, but I think it's just so hard to call because it's do you build your attack around Georgia Stanway, who's been really impressive, Lauren Hemp, who's a very exciting young talent and I thought was doing pretty well in the Community Shield before she had to come off with her injury, Chloe Kelly, who was brilliant at Everton and had some really standout moments in that Community Shield game and who could probably go on to another level at City. And then Ellen White, who was the World Cup star and and national treasure and then has probably been haunted by injuries a little bit since then but there's just so much to choose from in terms of attacking talent there and we were talking when Nikita Paris left City about are they going to replace her how are they going to cope without her and they've just gone by getting the talent that they have and it's a really interesting dilemma for them of how do they build the team around do they do it around the strength of one specific player or do they have a system that all these players can work within and be dropped in and out of or do they just is it horses for courses different team players for different teams and different games and different points in each match it's it's such an interesting dilemma facing them I think Mm. Chloe Kelly was a real bright spark I thought in the community shield Mm. her performance she really started in very quickly and I think there was there was definite need for backup for Ellen White as great as she is um, she can be prone to picking up an injury and I think you really do need some backup in that position and I think Chloe Kelly's that that perfect signing um, but I, I do think with um, Gareth Taylor having both European football and WSL um, coming in replacing Nick Cushing who'd been there for so many years he, he's got a big task yeah. ahead of him and a lot of young players as well that he's trying to develop too um, yeah. bedding in I mean th- there's no doubt about it they've made a couple of the marquee signings of the window and we'll come on to that but I, I I will give a few reasons why I think for Manchester City you've got to give him a little bit of time and it might yeah, be 
that that they could be coming in and around the third position this season for me. I don't know that he's necessarily got years. And of course, the team are much mm. more evolved. The league's much more evolved. The other teams surrounding them in the league yeah. are more evolved too. So that would be my only word of caution. Also, the fact that they could do with a few more defenders as well. They've got this amazing attacking line. But I do think Steph Horton, um, the other guys in defence, will need a little bit of support. And that's where we may hear some news. Potentially, we don't know in the next few days Katie yeah Alex Greenwood and Lucy Bronze would be huge huge signings for them and I heard a while ago that it was that was going to be their first choice destination that that's mm. been pretty much decided and obviously Lucy is sort of not going to comment on that publicly but I would be very surprised now if there were to be a U-turn and they were to end up elsewhere well, let's hear from a player that we know that is going to be there for this next campaign, Rose Lavelle. And I spoke to her in isolation at her hotel in Manchester. Rose, it's an absolute delight to speak to you on the Offside Rule WSL edition. Easily one of the signings of this transfer window. I know a lot of fans are wanting to hear from you. So first of all, how are you? I know you're in quarantine. Where are you with that at the moment as well? Yeah, um, I'm in a little hotel. I have about like a week left of... Um, quarantine before I can start getting in with the team and training but it's been good so far I've been able to I was able to watch the community shield game yesterday and um, it just made me really excited to be able to get back on the field with them. And what has that meant for you in terms of settling in what have the club been doing to help with that but of course with your teammates you you can't have face-to-face time it's a strange one for you to try and settle into a new club. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a little weird. We're like in unprecedented times right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have, I have like workout equipment set up here. Um, they've been delivering me meals and, um, I've had my friend Sam us. obviously she's already in with the team, but, um, she's been FaceTiming me and answering my questions and all that. And so it's, it's been nice. Everyone's made me feel really welcome, even though I haven't met everyone yet. Can you talk us through the process of joining Manchester City? How did that come about? What were the conversations like? And and what had you heard about them and the WSL? I knew I wanted to go overseas at some point. Um, I didn't know exactly when, but um, with how everything's kind of going in the US and all the uncertainty there, it seems like the right time. And Man City is such an incredible club and they're investing so much in their woman's side there's a lot of incredible players on the team um some great staff so all of that just made me really excited and felt like an opportunity that I couldn't pass up and in terms of ambitions now is Champions League is that something I know that's just happened recently you probably watched Leon win a fifth title is that something that's on your radar and you wanting to win Uh, yeah definitely I mean I feel like I still have to um get with the team and get training. Um, but I imagine we just want to win as much as possible. And um, Champions League would be incredible, obviously. Are people still talking to you about that solo effort goal from the World Cup? Because it is one that gets replayed over and over on the internet. Are you still getting fans mention that to you? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, it's been, it's been over a year now. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, it still sometimes gets brought up, but I have to say it was not a solo effort. I think there was a lot of um, other moving parts that um, helped make that play happen. 
Yeah, I mean, we've seen so many, like you say, international players coming over to the WSL. You talked about Samantha Mewis, who's in your team. We've seen a lot of Australian players come over to Arsenal. Uh, There is a lot of movement in women's football. Is that a sign of the growth in the game from your point of view? Where do you think it's at globally? Um, Yeah, I think it's such an exciting time for women's football. I think you're seeing so many different leagues and teams invest in the game and um I think that's why you're seeing so many different movements is there's um so many different great um environments and teams and leagues for people to play in now and um I think it's exciting I think it just gets better and better every year and for you are you just at the right age for this for this boost and growth in in the game because you'll have senior players that you work with at Team USA that that maybe will say to you make the most of this heyday that's coming because for a lot of senior players uh, they maybe didn't get that that golden heyday that maybe is around the corner for you yeah i mean i like i said i think i i always knew i wanted to go overseas i think this was something that was going to push me out of my comfort zone make me uncomfortable but ultimately make me better because of it. And it was something I I definitely wanted to capitalize on. I think um, at this club, there's so many great players that um, I'm excited to be able to train with every single day and um, also be able to learn from. I think I still am a little rough around the edges and I have a lot to learn. So uh, I'm excited to be in an environment that is going to push me to do so. We're really excited to watch you. Just who are some of the players that you like watching? Oh, I mean... Growing up when um, Kim Little was playing in the NWSL, she's playing for the rain. Um, I loved watching her play. I thought she was such a um, creative player and had this like little playmaking flair. I loved watching her play. I think on Man City, the, the midfield in particular made me really excited. I think it's a really deep midfield with a lot of experience with Jill Scott, Kira Walsh, Caroline Weir. So I think... I don't know. I, I, I've had the chance to play against them on the international stage and, and they're always tough competition. So I'm excited to be in an environment where I can play with them now. So an exciting new challenge for you and one that we're really looking forward to watch. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing how you get going in the WSL. Really strange time though. I know another week of quarantine before you get started. It's going to be a, a, a weird start, I guess, for you. Are you expecting to get started maybe just a, a few games in? Is, is that the plan with you and the manager at the moment? Um, I don't know. I, we'll see. I think kind of first and foremost, I need to... Um, get into trainings and get integrated with the team. I think, um, like I said, the midfield's really deep. So I think I'm going to have to work my way up to playing. I, I don't think it's like a given at all. So yeah, I don't know. I think, I think first and foremost, I'm, I, the goal is just to get with the team, get integrated and see how, how I adjust and, and how I do and go from there. We wish you well for the season ahead. Thanks for speaking to us, Rose. Thank you guys. Manchester City's new signing Rose Lavelle speaking to me there and Manchester City take on Aston Villa away in their first match. Uh, The last time they played them was in a Continental Cup group clash last season Uh, and actually Manchester City went on to win 4-0. Could be a different story this time because Aston Villa looked like a very different team uh, post this summer transfer window. Uh, Let's move on, Kate. Yeah, let's head to Arsenal, arguably the other final one of our big hitters. 
finished third last season, no Champions League this season, and that could do them a favour because they are perhaps the weaker of that triumvirate. Um, they've not dropped a single point against any team outside of the WSL's big three in over two years. So they've got that 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 sort of great record to hold true to. But how does this team move on? And what about the players that they've signed to do that with? Katie, your, your opinion on where this Arsenal team are right now? Um, I think it's interesting that they have had retained the call that they won the league with two years ago. They haven't sort of moved on or particularly pushed forward tactically or in personnel terms until this year when we've had that trio of Australian signings. So it feels to me that they're still maybe a little bit light, that their probably aim is to strengthen that squad because we saw a few years ago the title that looked that they were going to win at a canter ended up being a little bit more touch and go because they ended up with seven, eight injuries and just losing so many first-team players and not even being able to feel the full bench. So that would still be my biggest concern for them. But I think you're still looking at that core that won the league two years ago. Jordan Nobbs, Leah Valti, um, Vibi Miedemar, of course. You're looking mm. at that really mm. strong group of players that we've seen in press for a few years to still step up and do it again. This is it. This is who I'm going for, Kate. I think it's Arsenal who are going to push Chelsea all the way this season. And and one of the reasons I'm saying that is that they haven't got Champions League as a distraction this season. So whilst Manchester City with Gareth Taylor has got quite a lot on his plate, especially being this new manager as well, having quite a lot of different players to to develop and bed in. I think Montemuro, who's been established there, I think he's been very savvy with these signings. He, He hasn't done anything glamorous. He's brought in a lot of defensive signings, but some really good players. Yes, they're players that he knows. I mean, most of them are Australian, um, but he's added fullbacks. He's got Steph Catley. I mean, this is a player that Leon really wanted. This signing. is the calibre. Yeah. yeah. Um, goalkeeper Lydia Williams, you know, a 20-year-old midfielder, Malangut. Um, I, I honestly think that these defensive signings, this is what what Arsenal needed. I nearly said what Australia needed, <laughs> which goes to say the, the Freudian slip. <laughs> Uh, this is what Arsenal needed. Um, I think defensively, if you compare them last season against City and Chelsea, they had more goals against. That was one of the things that they needed to sort out and he's sorting it. And I think if they don't concede as many goals this season, they really will start to catch up, especially with Chelsea. And I think that could be the title race. I, you Ooh. know, come back to me. I might yeah. be wrong, I, you know, <laughs> but I, I just feel that they've gone a little bit under the radar and yeah. picking up on what Katie said, the spine of that squad is still the same and they've got some real quality. Jordan Nobbs, Kim Little, Miedemar. You know, I, I honestly think the quality is there and if they've sorted this defence out, watch out. Because in the WSL, Arsenal could be the ones that push on now. Yeah, they are an exciting prospect um, for this season. It just makes me even more thrilled about the fact that we get to cover it, Lindsay. Um, Arsenal's first game is on Sunday. In fact, it's the first fixture of the day. They are at home to Reading. Now, that sums up the sides that we expect to be in and around it this season. Next up, we're going to talk about the new kids on the block. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Amy Lawrence, Nancy Frostick, David Ornstein, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. If you're not yet a subscriber, take out a free 30-day trial right now by heading to theathletic.com forward slash offside. All right, so the new guns, Aston Villa 
who we're talking about now. And actually, Lynn, you said at the start of the podcast that you feel that Villa will be just wanting to stay in the league. I don't necessarily agree with that. And I don't yeah, see I why not. Particularly, oh, go on, go on, gang up on Yeah, them. well, yeah, but 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 you know, if you take Tottenham as the blueprint last season, they put in a very respectable account of themselves. Manchester United as well, obviously. Um, but Katie, are you with me on this? That actually Villa may may easily secure you know a decent mid-table spot. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think with the signings he brought in, particularly Anita Asante, the big one for them. Um, but I would be very surprised if I don't look at that Villa team and think that they're among the weakest. I think that there are two or three that may be a little bit weaker than them and I think that the form that they finished last season on I would be very surprised if it was just about just scraping survival for them I think they'll be pushing a little bit more towards mid-table. Oh, Katie, you're putting words in my mouth now. I didn't say scraping survival. Um, you said, I just said hoping they'd just be happy to survive. To survive. No, okay. I think they. I think Villa will be happy to survive. But I, I, I agree to a to an extent that I think there will be a couple of teams worse than them. Um, however, I don't think people should get too excited by the way that Aston Villa ran away with the championship because that squad has been completely overhauled. I mean, their top scorer, Mel Johnson, has gone to Sheffield United. I'm scratching my head about that. Um, she got 12 goals in 14 games and now she's gone to Sheffield United. It doesn't really make much sense for me. So her goals have had to be replaced now by Diana Silva's come in, um, a Portugal forward. I'm sure, you know, she is a, a big talent, but, you know, she has got to get used to WSL football. Um, and another international striker's come in uh, from Denmark, Stina Larsson. Um, so I suppose they've got to replace those goals but there have been a lot of new players added I don't usually like to make the comparisons with men's football but this really screams to me Aston Villa it it screams Aston Villa in the in the men's game as well where there were so many changes in the transfer window trying to get all these players to gel together I think Gemma Davis has got a lot on her hands to get these players to work so quickly and well together Mm. you might have the talent but getting them to gel is another thing yeah and these signings, you know, you've got Caro Seams from Potsdam, Ramona Peltzberger from Essen. Um, you've mentioned Stina Larsson, um, Lisa Weiss from Lyon. So you've got some potentially really exciting players that we don't necessarily know loads about. But they it don't will know either WSL. Be, well, it'll either be Gemma Davis's failing or she'll be declared a complete signing genius. But we just yes. don't really know, do we, Katie? No, no, I don't think we know quite yet. Uh, Anita Asante will be... the be that solid I, I mean I'm presuming Katie she's going to be captain I would be very surprised if she wasn't yeah I think with her experience and her pedigree and her I think particularly how she's a person she's very aware of um the issues facing women's football and it's very politically and socially and morally switched on I think that they could do a lot worse than having her as their um leader in that squad so her staying fit, I think, is going to be key to this as well um, and and being able to be that leader on the pitch for the entire season because she is the one with the WSL know-how. Because remember, a lot of these players that have gained promotion, they haven't experienced WSL before, let alone all these international influx of players. So Gemma Davis, I think it's right. It's a roll of the dice, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. And actually, I don't think she'd be wise to presume that Anita's going to play every game as well. You know, um, a lot of what you get from Anita Asante will be off the pitch and she'll be very much uniting the players together. I think you have to assume that she's not going to play every game for you because even though she would want to, she is going to have to because she's had had a history of injuries and because she's a, she's a little bit older now, she she's going to have to anticipate Anita doesn't, doesn't play every game. It's going to be quite the season for them I I don't think that they will go down but I, I do stand by my first statement which is that they will be happy to survive all right, well, one team potentially hoping to mix it up with the top three is Casey Stoney's Manchester United. I think they finished best of the rest, didn't they, in their maiden season of the WSL last season. 13 points behind third place Arsenal, though, so there is a gap there. As you'd expect, I think, Katie, their defensive record last season was excellent. Of course, you're going to get that from Casey Stoney. But their attack needs some work. They found the net just 24 times in 14 games, and I'm sure that that would have steered a lot of the thinking on signings. I got really excited, mainly because I'm a massive massive Tobin Heath fan, when there were rumours that there may be short-term deals for Kristen Press and Tobin Heath. But um, <laughs> but did I get excited for nothing? Um, I'm not sure it's gone quite quiet on that quiet. one, so I'll have to have a dig, because um, I've not seen anything written about it, but then no. it might just be that there's very sort of few journalists in women's football compared to men's games. But it'd be exciting if it were to happen. Certainly. Oh my God, yeah. What Manchester United fans can really get excited about is what actually has happened, what we know is there. And that's and that's Lucy Staniforth, which is a really creative midfielder who, who's who got a real engine in her, hasn't she? And she's she's got that pedigree of like all the players that she's grown up with, um, like Lucy Bronze, etc. She's got lots of experience with the Lionesses. And I think that's a, a real good acquisition, actually, Lucy Staniforth. She hasn't quite hit the dizzying heights that I think she's capable of. Uh, I don't know whether you'd agree, Katie. I think so, yeah. I mean, I think it's been unfortunate for her to a certain extent in that she hasn't maybe had the players around her or hasn't been... She was the best player in that Birmingham side, but it was a Birmingham side that really, really struggled. So I think, are we going to see her fulfilling that potential or her reaching another level um, in this Manchester United side? Because she's been a little bit of, I don't use the word late bloomer, but I think certainly as far as her England career is concerned, it's only been recently that it's sort of taken off. Yeah, and she's going to be more in the number 10 role for this, do you think, for, for KC? Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's, again, it's a little bit like Chelsea, how do you... You know, you've got a side with um, Lauren James, who is really exciting but still young, um, Jackie Gronin in, in that midfield area, Katie Zalem. You've got so many players that you would sort of have to consider as to how you're going to structure the team. But I think you could do a lot worse than building a team around Lucy Staniforth and Lauren James. Yeah, they have also reinforced um, the forward line with Ivana Fuso. She uh, is 19. She joins from Basel. So she's a young prospect, but, you know, she'll enjoy working with with Casey Stoney. She's actually um, originally from Germany. Uh, She played for Freiburg for quite some time. She's the current captain of the Germany under 19 side. So for what, for me, one to look out for, and she'll be providing competition for Lauren James and Jane Ross up front as well, Leah Galton, etc. Ona Battle uh, also is another signing. She's a fullback, 21 years old. She's come from Levante. She was actually a product of Barcelona's academy. Good on the ball, lights going forward, sort of could be a potential Alex Greenwood really in her style of play. And I think Case is chosen wisely. She's gone yeah. for youth really, um, apart from Staniforth, who's 27. And, you know, 
of all the teams to go and work with. I think if you're a young player, particularly when you mm. are, you know, an under-19 captain for Germany, you know that you're in safe hands with Casey at Manchester United. So an exciting team to watch again. They do feel a lot like Casey Stoney signings to me. They that, do. Mm, yeah. That blend of young and, and players that we haven't maybe heard of or a lot of people here haven't heard of or coming from abroad that we might not have focused on or given due attention to. It does feel like it's a really exciting blend there and something that will fit well with the kind of Man United family that she's created out of this group of young players that she's really developing. And they'll continue to progress. She she does need Jane Ross to have a good season. She does need some more goals, I think. But the thing that you can say about Casey is they're a well-coached team and they are continually progressing the more that she spends time um, one-on-one time with these players as well they're getting better and better so I, I think that gap that 13 point gap will close do I think it mm. will close to the point that they will disrupt those three no I don't think they're quite there yet but I, th- I think they'll get closer but but probably not quite mixing it up but for for those people who are onlookers looking at Manchester United thinking I don't see those big names you know if, if there isn't a Tobin Heath that comes in over Christian Press and they think well maybe we didn't make those exciting signings I'd just say don't panic because I think when you've got a coach like Casey that can bring these players through I I think they are a team that will always ultimately produce and surprise but um, yeah the goal the goals is what they need they need to to make sure that you know Katie Zellum's scoring Jane Ross is getting the goals Um, but but yeah that gap will will reduce I'm sure of it. Okay, well, Manchester United's first game is um, Chelsea. We've mentioned that already, haven't we? But yeah, they play Chelsea at home on Sunday. Let's move on to Everton. Top six finish in the WSL last season. They've lost Chloe Kelly to City. But oh my goodness, this is one of the signings I'm really excited about. Valerie Gauvin. I think Willie Kirk's hoping that she'll become the focal point of their attack. So very much trying to replace Chloe Kelly. Um, She's so highly rated, actually. She's 24. She's come from Montpellier on a three-year deal. And what you'll remember actually, is that we hope that we get the kind of, I don't want to say new and improved Valerie Govan, but she's definitely been on a bit of a journey when you think about last year's World Cup and the fact that she was dropped, wasn't she, by Corinne Diak from France's opening match due to the fact that she didn't show up on time a couple of times. So she was, you know, really given a hard time for that. But to her credit, she came back into the team in the later stages of the World Cup and performed really, really well. She she was a player of the match against Norway and um, in that win, I think it was 2-1 to France. So Gova, a really exciting signing. I, I, I am going to cheekily say, I, you know, you've obviously got Izzy Christiansen there as well, but I, I don't quite know how Willie Kirk's managed to pull it off, Katie. What, the number of players that they've brought in? Well, just signing Valerie Gova for one, who is, you know, you know, a really, really good player. I know he's signed a lot of other players as well, but what do you think would have attracted Valerie Gova to, to Everton? It's very difficult to say. I mean, I think that there's a lot with that. That sounds very disrespectful to me, which is not all. But no, it isn't. It that, isn't meant to be. The, the attraction of the big three, for instance, compared to Everton and you, you do, or even Man United and the kind of global brand aspect of playing for them. But I think that there's a really exciting project at work there that's maybe mm. gone a little bit under the radar. And Everton announced last year that they were really going to pump, start pumping loads and loads of money in and they restructured the boardroom. So, yeah. Didn't they pay a six figure some for her yeah but I think importantly they restructured their boardroom so that the people that are on the women's team are now directly dealing with the key sort of playmakers rather than having to go through sort of several layers of bureaucracy and administration and everything so I think there's a lot of good stuff going on behind the scenes and they've said publicly that they want to compete in the Champions League and I think you're starting to see the beginnings of really 
backing that up yeah. and, and putting that into action. And I think in Willie Clerk has a very clear vision and he's very ambitious. He said that he wants to win the Champions League. That's kind of his ultimate goal. And if Everton continue like this, I think it will be a much longer term project than it is for the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, where you're looking next year, two years to win the Champions League. Um, that goes without saying, but I think they certainly want to keep an eye on over the longer term. Well, Everton's first fixture is away to Bristol City. Uh, let's move on to Reading and Hoops. I know that this is a team you're really excited by for this season. Well, I am. Um, and and the main reason, I have to say, is Jess Fishlock being mm. being in the, the team. Um, she's someone I'm so excited to be watching. I, I've been a big admirer of hers for many years. Uh, but again, she falls into that category, Katie, of, you know, being available because of the NWSL and, and being an on-loan player. I mean, it, it has thrown this opportunity up, hasn't it? And somebody else pointed out there's now two MBE players playing for Reading, with yeah. Farrah Williams as well. <laughs> Yeah, I think that they're sort of another team that maybe flown under the radar because we had this big exodus where they, they released so many players and you were looking at them thinking, oh gosh, they better pull something big out here. But Emma Mitchell, Daniel Carter, Jess Fishlock being the big one and a spine of players in the likes of Natasha Harding as well that have really done well with this Wales team of the last few years and were part of the Wales team that almost qualified for the World Cup a few years ago. Um, so I think that there's a lot of talent there. And it's about whether they can sort of make that step into maybe the top four and solidify a top four spot ahead of Man United is going to be the challenge in the end for them, I think. Yeah, or maybe even a cup run because they have, like you said, they finished in the top five in the last three WSL seasons. Uh, they reached the FA Cup semi-finals last year. I, I think there's there's definitely going to be a focus on trying to either get a trophy or or trying yeah. to to break in and, and disrupt that top three or my get into only, the top four. My only concern is that this is looking quite a veteran side, isn't it? When you consider the signings, both Dan Carter, Emma Mitchell, Jess Fishlock, of course, Deanna Cooper from Chelsea. This is an old looking side isn't it it is there's a lot of experience there I mean when you look at the Wales internationals a lot of them have got over a hundred caps um certainly as we know with with Farrah Williams I'm trying to think as well because obviously Jade Moore's gone out they've let other players go like Remy Allen who got a lot of experience Joe Potter's left the club I'm trying to think of the younger players coming through uh who else have they sorry I'm trying to think and I think that that's your point isn't it But look, there is nothing wrong, I suppose, with securing experience um, and then using that as the catalyst to help develop the young players on the side. Reading's first fixture is against Brighton away. Um, Shall we move on to Spurs now? We've briefly mentioned them already, but I'll be really interested to see how they cope with their second season in the top flight. They finished seventh last season. They're sticking with that Karen Hills-Juan Amaros combo. There were, you know, rumours floating around at one point that sort of two may become one. Um, but they're obviously sticking with that for now. Um, few signings to mention. I think the, the kind of exciting ones, I suppose, are the two defenders from Orlando Pride, Katie Alana Kennedy mm. and Shalina Zadorsky. They've been loaned, you know, again, one of these short-term deals, options to make both move, moves permanent. And what they've done there is they've signed two, you know, really experienced, reliable players who should be adaptable. I'm going to interject as well, Kate, and say don't undermine... Keris Harrop from Birmingham City. No, I was going to move on to her. (laughs) So Keris Harrop, again, bringing in WSL experience. Yes, um, I I think she's probably the signing for me. I I'm going to say that 
you know, I don't know how often Karis Harrop is going to play. Yes, she's very experienced. Um, Rachel Williams has joined Spurs too to boost the forward line. Um, but let's just get Katie's opinion on on both of these signings from the US because I think in terms of regular game time and experience reliability, they both look to me like two really good, solid signings from Spurs. Yeah, I think you pretty much said it all there. I think it's a real cue for them to get those two players in and it's very typical of this pattern that we're seeing of US players coming in. And, and you know, it's a bit, I'm kind of agree with you both. Keris Harrop as well brings a lot of experience and, and Rachel Williams too, was slightly older, but players that will really bolster that side. So I think that they've been quite wise in the moves that they've made. Um, in addition, that we've seen that a lot of the players that they did keep a great number of the players that got them promoted. Um, mm. And the likes of Ashley Neville in particular, some of those had a really easy and strong transition to the WSL. So I think that they've been quite quiet and apart from those two NWSL signings have maybe flown under the radar, but I think that they've got a lot to offer this year. And it's a tasty one for their first match of the season because it's a London derby, Katie. Mm. They're playing West Ham. Uh, for, for Spurs, do you think it's going to be much of the same as last season, trying to consolidate staying in WSL and being a, a regular in, the, in that mid-table area? I think so, yeah. I mean, I'd be very surprised if it was anything. I'd be very surprised if they really, really struggled this season. I think it is about mid-table and starting to get scalps over the likes of Arsenal, who we obviously saw them push very closely in the North London derby at the big um, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and maybe trying to maybe get the occasional win over the likes of City or Chelsea because they have pushed those teams close on one-off occasions and in one-off games. Well, we've been motoring through, but there are still four teams left to discuss and arguably some of them could be looking maybe towards the wrong end of the table come the season end. Or is that a bit harsh? We'll find out. That's next. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. We'll pick up with Birmingham City then, Kate, and twice runners-up in the WSL, but last season really struggled. Uh, They finished 11th, didn't they? And are you worried about them this time? I don't know what to expect from them, I think would be the note I'd add to that. Um, They've got Carla Ward as their new head coach on a two-year deal. No doubt that she's an excellent manager, former Sheffield United uh, manager, of course. Um, She's young, she's ambitious. Um, She led Sheffield United to their highest ever league finish, second in the championship last season. So there's no doubt that she is a coach going places. But there is, Katie, an awful lot of rebuilding to do there. Yeah, this is my worry. I think it's very hard to say what's going to happen for them because you have, as you said on one hand, Carla Ward, a very impressive and experienced coach, but so many players have just left in the last two seasons and in particular Keris Harrop, a great loss for them being the experienced player that she is. Brie Vasali went back to the NWSL, so they have, I think, maybe not necessarily replaced those players and we've not seen them signing players at the speed they'd need to to maybe progress and really make a mark in the WSL and I think it's still quite a young squad who are obviously maybe not going to have the experience to cope with the likes of Chelsea and, and um, Manchester City I think you could really see some one-sided score lines with them this season just yeah. exactly as we saw last season and if you look at certain teams and there's associations with nations, so we've said with Manchester City, you know, they've had an American influx and Arsenal have had Australians and you've, there's a Wales connection with Reading. And here, all of a sudden with Birmingham, there's a Scottish connection, Katie, because uh, Rachel Corsi being the latest one to join the side. Mm, yeah, I think they're the, the sort of two that are really going to give them a chance this season and are really going to bring that experience that this really young side really really desperately needs um, I think Corsi in particular 
um, in terms of the experience of playing abroad um, and Christy Murray as well is quite impressive so I think that they're going to be the two that will really give them that maybe that little bit of edge and, and help them over the line this season. Mm, the only word of caution there with Corsi is she's only on loan until January so they, they could get used to having her and then she'll be whisked yeah. away but yeah Christy Murray is, is a great signing I think and they've also signed Northern Ireland international Chloe McCarran as well on a two-year deal. Okay, well, their first fixture is away to Arsenal. Let's move on to West Ham now, Lindsay. They play Spurs away in their first fixture. Um, I think question marks over this side, um, Lindsay, because Matt Beard had some good results last season and then appeared to kind of crash a few times and it didn't look like good times the whole way through last season, did it? No, and I find them very difficult to predict, actually. Uh, there's, there was a, a real struggle to get consistency, wasn't there? And I, I think, mm. Katie, if, if you look at the signings here, there's part of me that's quite impressed. I think Ruby Grant is a good addition in midfield. Um, I, I also think that Emily Van Egmond, who's on loan from Orlando Pride, could be a very yeah, good really addition. Yeah, really good signing, yeah. But, but there's part of me as well that's holding back from saying too much because I, I just don't know with this team whether one week they... they look electric and the next time they look like they could concede five or six so your thoughts Katie? That's very much how I feel I think that you look at that squad and there are some players like Jilly Flaherty who's really brought her WSL experience and Alicia Lehman who not a lot of people had heard of but then has looked really impressive the times when she's been on it but then it is that consistency that you don't know which version of West Ham you're going to get from week to week and that's exactly I think the perfect way to put it and that's what worries me this season I think that the encouraging thing for them and the nice thing for them is the number of off-field developments we've seen um through the throughout the season so their brand new training ground which is now one of the most impressive facilities in the WSL it's, it looks so it just looks wonderful um, everything they've got set up there and things really tailored to the women's team and maybe that will help them be a little bit more consistent I'm not sure Obviously, then they moved to Dagenham and Redbridge ground, which will be a lot easier to attract the fans. So I think off the field, they're certainly building something. It's just a case of now whether we get those results week on week on week that really turn them into a really formidable side. They need to hold firm, don't they? I'm going to move on to Brighton just so we can whistle through the rest. Finished ninth last season. They did have a better run, didn't they, before the season was curtailed and they'll be looking to build on that. They have got on loan from Manchester City, Lee Guanmin, who's the um, the Korean forward. Not necessarily a bag of tricks, but she's technically good. Players out, Leela Garrick, Firm Whelan leaves Brighton. There's not... <laughs> I've not found a lot on them. They they have made some signings. So Katie Startup, who many of our listeners may know, the, the Charlton Athletic goalkeepers signed for the club. Katie Robinson from Bristol City. Inessa Kagman's come from Everton. So a few new signings. But just to be honest, Katie, not a lot of buzz about this side. I couldn't, I couldn't really see much engagement pre-season either, I have to say. Yeah, I think it'll be a strange one for them. They're a little bit like West Ham in that I'm finding them very... I think they're less unpredictable, but I'm finding it very difficult to to sort of make a prediction for them. Um, I'd be surprised if, under Hope Powell, they are struggling for relegation, I think. But I do think they will be struggling to sort of really make an impact in mid-term. Yeah. I think that Kagman is, is a good signing for them, but I don't envisage them causing the big three issues, let's put it that way. 
I have to agree, Katie, on that front. I, I think they will be difficult to break down because that's how Hope Powell sets up her teams, doesn't she? I, I think they might end up being sort of lower lower mid-table area. Um, Bristol City, well, how about them? They finished 10th of 12 teams last season. Their first fixture will be against Everton at home. I think one of the positives for them avoiding relegation, they managed to get Gemma Purfield from relegated Liverpool. I think she's a really brilliant player for them to bring in. Um, and only 23 years old so she'll have quite a good future ahead of her I I don't know I mean goals is something they've lacked Katie they Mm. only scored nine didn't they in 14 games Um, so that's something that they're definitely going to need to address I think so yeah I mean it's a difficult one to predict because they did so well the previous season and and finished quite I can't remember exactly what they finished but finished higher up in in the table than a lot of people were expecting them to and took points off of Manchester City and ended up being sort of the kingmakers in that title race so I think that it was a bit of a shock for me personally anyway to see them weakened last season and, and doing so poorly although a lot of people said it wasn't a surprise given the how other teams had strengthened I think that they've been quite wise this season the players that they brought in um, and obviously last season we were lucky with the number of players that they had with ACL injuries I think it was two in one game at one point yeah, they went down with them. Um, so I think that they have done fairly well in the window this season they'll just be hoping for a far better season than they had last year well, they've signed in terms of forwards Emma Bissell from Manchester City, but where Tanya Rockstrup is really packed out is the midfield. So she's building a spine there. Amy Palmer from Manchester United, Megan Wynn from Spurs. And one of the key signings really is Australian playmaker Ella Mastrantonio. Bit of a mouthful. She's called the ma- the maestro. So Ella the maestro Mastrantonio, just to really make it difficult for commentators. She's made more of more than a century of appearances in the Australian W League. She has had time with Melbourne Vic victory and various other sides as well. In fact, she played with Tanya Roxterby at Perth Glory and in an interview I read um, said that they pretty much kind of grew up playing together. So that's someone who Tanya Roxterby knows really, really well. And she's got great validity in terms of being there. She's 28 and she will be, you know, one of those solid, reliable players. Lauren Dykes, she's moved into her assistant coach role there. And Lindsay Bristol have a new stadium as well. They do. And I think I think bringing this stadium chat into it, Casey, that could make all the difference because we mentioned it with West Ham and, you know, transport and that being easier for fans when we do eventually get them back in the stadiums. Um, the 12th man or woman, as it were, who could be in the crowd, that could make a, a lot of difference when it comes towards the, the latter part of the season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was slightly surprised by the news of Bristol City because their Stoke Gifford Stadium was about 10 minutes from walk from the station um from bristol parkway station yes um, bristol so parkway, that was yeah. sort of slightly easier to get to than a lot of ones but i think it was probably not very well signposted because it is kind of like a sixth form college um stadium um so it's probably not something that people look at and immediately think oh there's professional football taking place mm-hmm. there every other week and actually twerton park is bigger that that's the appeal but it is a shame i think that fans will have to travel away from bristol to bath to get there Well, that sums up our WSL preview chat. And goodness me, there's a lot to take in. This is a longer than normal podcast, but I'm sure you understand why as we start to salivate over the prospect of football returning later this week. Um, I think we've covered everything. Um, I know we've not said much about the Champions League final, so apologies for that. Um, One thing we did want to mention, though, Lindsay, is the announcement of a new England manager. I'm very honoured and delighted that I can join the English team. England is the cradle of football and over the last years uh, the England's women's game has improved very much. 
Hopefully I can contribute with my expertise and experience to this very ambitious team. Yes, Serena Weigman, and um, it just feels like the spot-on appointment. Um, I know, Katie, you wrote a great article about this. Um, for anyone who's missed this news, just just sum up for us exactly why this appointment has excited everybody. Um, yeah, it's just a massive, massive coup for the England team and a huge change in direction from going from um, Mark Sampson, who hadn't had international experience, albeit had done pretty well at Bristol Academy t- um, in terms of league position and Champions League um, contention. And then Phil Neville, who had very little manager- managerial experience aside of the Man United youth teams and one game at Salford City to someone who has been there, done that, got the T-shirt, you know, won um, a Euros on home soil at the first time of asking and really transformed the landscape of women's football over there. Second in the World Cup behind that US side and a manager who I think is probably only going to get better and better um, and still quite young and still got room to develop and grow and discover herself as a manager but who is very clear in what she wants and very experienced and knows how to develop teams and push teams on and manage superstars and really turn them into a a phenomenal force on the world stage which I think is what England needed because I think it's overly simplistic to say they went backwards under Neville because I think that their playing styles become a bit less pragmatic but I think that they're maybe a less competitive team for that and it's now about how can they then be pushed on to be this team that are stylish but are consistently winning on the world stage and get a major trophy which is what the FA have wanted for a number of years now. Um, Weigman, she she's going to finish her role with the Netherlands and uh, and see that out at the Olympics with them, isn't she? But she has already done a press conference. Were you part of that? Yeah, I was. Yeah, it was it was a very um, interesting experience just because she was very safe, I thought, and very level headed and very very assured and just knew exactly what she wanted to say and it was very different from covering Phil Neville because yeah. he's she doesn't give bit... much away does no, she no she's a lot more guarded and Phil's obviously as we know a little bit of a loose cannon and says something <laughs> you think oh Phil um, and it, it was just very strange to come away and be like oh I don't think that there was a, a very strong line out of that she was just quite safe and mm. balanced and fine and which is probably kind of a relief to, to a lot of people after sort yeah. of having she is a perfectionist. Um, she's certainly very well researched, very well prepped. She always has been. And as you say, Katie, a really strong appointment um, for the FA. Um, she's known for dealing with players, kind of similar to Emma Hayes, actually. She's always always takes great concern for their welfare, wants to know if they're not on top of things and why, if there's stuff going on in their personal lives that's affecting them. Um, so it'll be interesting to, to sort of see her work with that, that dynamic um, and the international setup. Well, we have got a bit of a wait before we get to see her in action, but we haven't got so much of a wait for the WSL season to kick off. It is going to be the biggest season yet, that's for sure. Thank you very much to Katie for joining us today and guiding us through all of that preview. To get yourself a free 30-day trial to The Athletic, all you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash offside and you can access the very best in football writing. And you can get this podcast ad-free as well if you're going via The Athletic, which is an excellent addition. Mm as well yeah thank you Katie from us and I'm sure we'll be speaking to you very soon where are you the first weekend of the WSL um I don't know if I'm going to be there because it's very <laughs> unclear what the actual are we allowed into certain grounds or not but it will be uh, Villa Man City and then Man United Chelsea 
Yeah, okay. Well, big news from us in terms of fixture dates, I suppose, is that this podcast has now got a new release date of every Tuesday in time for your afternoon walk or your journey home. Don't forget the podcast to uh, offsiderulepodcast.com. There's plenty um, of articles there. We've covered the Champions League final. We're building up to the season there as well. So check that out. And our socials at offsiderulepod. Let's start as we mean to go on as well. And please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from because it does help others find us and it will help spread the word of women's football, which is something we're very passionate about doing. Mm. Uh, Coming up, by the next time you hear from us, you will have all the details on a very special programme that we'll be running to help nurture up-and-coming talent as well in the industry. We'll have more on that, won't we, Kate? Yeah, very exciting times ahead. Um, But for now, we're going to live in excitement for the start of the WSL in just a few days' time. Thanks for listening, everyone, and goodbye. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside Rule at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule WSL edition is a Money Knees Media production. Money Knees Media